host of the Kid Fun and More podcast on Word of Mom Radio. I've written several books on creative play for kids, including my latest, Kid Fun 401 Easy Ideas for Play. On our podcast, we'll talk to people who care about kids in many different ways, experts, entrepreneurs, psychologists, parents, teachers, and others, while learning about their line of work and special interests. We'll also talk about their memories of fun they had when they were young. I'll also share a Kid Fun tip that we hope will enrich your experience with kids. And now it's time for our guest. I'm very excited to introduce you all to Rob McCall. The first time I met him at Children's Playhouse, I called him a Pied Piper. Rob, you just had this magical way, and the kids were following you. It was just wonderful. Rob is a songwriter, performer, band leader, arranger, and producer for numerous music projects. A multi-instrumentalist who studied international music at the New England Conservatory, Rob has a vast knowledge of different styles of music, which he uses to engage, educate, and entertain audiences of all ages. He enjoys teaching young children and does that regularly at Children's Playhouse in Philadelphia and elsewhere. A lifelong performer of music as a soprano with the All Philadelphia Boys Choir, he was also a bassoonist in the Lehigh Valley with the Philadelphia Youth Orchestra and with numerous bands from Boston to Philadelphia. Rob is a composer, producer of original music, as well as an arranger of songs from virtually every genre. Rob teaches guitar, bass, percussion, drum set, chorus, songwriting, and recording engineering, and he performs all the time. Well, Rob, welcome to Kid Fun and More. Thank you, Ms. Charlotte. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, it's funny. I'm Ms. Charlotte. You're Mr. Rob. Right? Hey. right. So, so tell us, how big a role does music play in your life? After that introduction, I have a feeling it's really important. You, you get a sense, you get a slight sense from the bio there, from the intro there, that, uh, yeah, it's always played a major role. It's been my frame of reference, really, throughout my whole life. My parents were both classical musicians, so it's been uh, literally since uh, coming out into the daylight here, I've, I've heard the sounds of Bach and Mozart and Beethoven and been moved by music my whole life, and uh, it's been my language. I was very fortunate to grow up with a piano in the house. So I always had means to try to experiment with sounds and to create the sounds that I heard and uh, connect that with the sounds that were being played in my home. I had a piano in my home and I had to take piano lessons as did my brother. My brother had the advantage of playing by ear. So he could just sit there and play whatever he wanted. And we would always sing. It was just having a piano or having music in my life was always joyful. And I'm sure it was in yours. Absolutely. That's a beautiful memory. And it was always a source of joy. In fact, I knew right away, I believe it was listening to Bach or you know, Mozart, one of those 
the greats and just getting the feeling as a, as a young, young kid, like three years old or something, that this is the, the, the source of everything that's good and divine in the universe for me. That's the sound that I'm hearing. Let me know that there was good in the, in the world. And I always kept that feeling with me. And that's my primary motivation for being a musician is to wanting to spread that feeling that I had when I first heard the music that I thought was so beautiful, wanted to create some more beauty and keep that joy going so that others could experience it as well. You are so blessed because you do what you love. I feel the same way about my work, which I actually spell work F-U-N, and I'm guessing you do the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I love hearing that, you know, there aren't enough people in the world who have that advantage. So what do you think makes you an effective teacher? Well, building off of my, my last response, really what I think it comes down to is remembering my feelings of being at that, that age, being a young kid, then working with preschool kids. I remember being a three-year-old kid, a five-year-old kid, and how I felt about music at that point and how I felt about the world and the way my brain worked and how I looked at people who came into a classroom. And especially if they were playing music, that's all I needed. If some guy walked into a classroom back then when I was five years old with a guitar and a drum, I would have been like, I'm, I'm yours. So I try to be what I would have liked to have seen when I was that age. I try to bring to kids of that age what I would have just been nuts about seeing when I was five years old. And I carry that part of me, that, that inner five-year-old with me throughout, <laughs> throughout my life in a lot of ways. Obviously, you have to keep it in context. But what I love being around kids is that I'm allowed to access that part of myself. And it works. I can be a goofball. I can be silly and, and joke around and do wacky things. And, and the kids will love it even more. I can't do things like that, you know, in a, in a corporate setting or waiting at line at the DMV or anything like that. You have to behave yourself <laughs> like a grown-up. But when I'm with little kids, uh, I, I, can, I can access that, that wacky part of myself that leads to joy and it leads to fun, like you just said. It's all about having fun. And I, I just remember that mentality. I always carry that with me. And I, I relate to kids on their level. I don't try to impose anything from my level on them. I try to remember where they're coming from and what matters to them and present what I have to present as far as an educator to them, but in ways that makes it fun them. You know, I call that that you're respecting children and they know it. They know when you're not talking down to them, when you're listening to them. And you know, comparing my story to yours, I went to school. I was an okay student. I wasn't real excited about it. I just knew I loved kids. But when I got into that kindergarten classroom and became a teacher, it's like the light bulb went off. And that spark of energy and creativity was born. And I'm creative to this day because of the experience I had with those five-year-olds. And I've seen you do it. I've seen you get those kids really active. And it's really wonderful. Thank you. And like you just said, they know when it's real or when it's put on. Kids can see right through you and they're not having it if it's inauthentic. If they get a sense that you're coming in there and it's, and it's not truly like it's a put on, you're just putting on something for them that's not really coming from inside of you, they'll be able to tell and they'll eat you alive. You'll, you're done. You'll be done because there's <laughs> no be way. Done. You can't sustain a half hour or an hour or whatever for 15 kids in a room if you don't have it coming from purely inside of yourself, from a pure place. How young are the children you work with? I work with infants all the way from infants, like two weeks, whether it's like six weeks old, they have to be at least six weeks. So no, I have infants all the way through to, you know, middle school kids. I haven't really done anything with high school kids, nothing that much, but mostly uh, did a lot of middle school programs, but currently it's uh, primarily preschool. Yeah. So little kids are my favorite because they have nothing to lose. They don't care. You know, what about, they're not trying to prove anything to anybody. When you're three years old, you know, I don't need to prove anything to you. (laughs) 
you know, right. I don't need to do you. You're here for me, for my benefit, you know, so come on, I get with it now. And, you know, yeah, and they'll tell you when you're not cutting it. You know, I'll let you know right away. It's like, no, this isn't working, Jack. You need to come up with something else. But I love those situations because when, you, when you're back against the wall, you find out what you're really made of and you need to pull out something else then that's going to change gears. And what can I bring to them that's going to keep them engaged and entertained? And that's what keeps you on your toes. In, in my classroom, when we would sing a song, I would introduce them as if they were on TV. And right. I'd say, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet the great singers of Room 7. Okay, stand up, everybody. And they just got into that moment. But there's another thing. When you try to push something on a child and they don't want it, they're not going to accept it. And if they get right. restless, and, you know, I've seen teachers that they have a lesson plan. They want to follow it. The kids don't want to follow it. So what I would do is I would just stop it. And if they were getting really re- restless, I love this one. I pick up a rubber band. You might want to do this. I pick up a rubber band and I wiggle it and I say, be a rubber band. And then they start wiggling. And then I stretch it horizontally, vertically. And you see their arms going up and down. But then I drop it on the floor. So they have to fall on the floor. And I pick it up and I squeeze it. And they're squeezing themselves. So they, it's creative dramatics. But whatever they were being restless about before, they totally forgot. They're very much it. into being a rubber band. There you and, go. And, that's, and they've forgotten all about what, you were, what the problem was before, what the issue was before. That's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I really believe in following the child, you know, watch them. They're the best cue when, when your lesson is going to work. Well, and that's, and on that, uh, to that end, and I absolutely agree, but to that end, I, I always, part of my teaching technique or whatever you want to describe it is, I'm constantly looking at the kids, constantly scanning around, making eye contact with everybody and making sure everybody's on board, and uh, or if they're not, I'll start singing to them directly or speaking to them directly. Or back when I was able to share my instruments, which I hope we can do again sometime soon, I, if I see a kid who's a little restless, I would hand him an instrument, make him the drum leader or make her the lead singer. So mm, you're going to be the choir leader great. now. You're going to be the one who leads the choir now. And to talk about what is a choir, and that leads to other discussions about what is a choir, and what does that even mean, and the different parts of a choir, you know, sopranos, tenors, basses, and altos. And it can go all different ways. And we can talk about where those words came from. And well, it's Italian and, you know, musical direction and musical terminology tends to be Italian because of the history of, of music. And you can, you can take it as far as you want. And I love trying to not push, but, you know, just try to see how far I can go with the kids, you know, as far as talking about things like this, musical direction, dynamics. And, I've seen you do that with like yeah. three, three-year-olds and always kind of in awe because that's what I meant by respect. You know, some teachers will just talk babyish to young children, and that doesn't cut it, right? I can't stand that. I can't stand when right. people do, when teachers do that. I, I just I, sh- I shiver when I hear that. Yeah, it's really great how you respond. No, but I, I don't treat them like they. I don't treat kids like kids. I, they're little people. They're little adults. They're small adults, and but they, you know, they're capable of advanced reasoning, advanced thinking to a, a level that's surprising, not only to me but to other teachers who I've worked with. When I'm teaching preschool kids first, second, third grade level music theory concepts and, and terminology, uh, some teachers are like, what are, you, what are you doing? You know, why this is stuff for, you know, in grade school curriculum. But then at the end of the school year, when I'm asking them the questions, I'll go, you know, I'll play a scale. What was that? And I'll say it's a scale. Or when I go, what, how do we sing the notes of a chord one note at a time? It's an arpeggio. They, you know, arpeggios. And it's like, okay, well, 
how can you refute that? You know, there's at least a handful of kids, at least a half, you know, half, probably half a class of kids will, by the end of the of year or end of a summer, whatever the period is, know those terms. And we'll come to know them because they make it part of a usual routine that we have. That's fun. We do a little vocal warm-up thing. We keep it fun and we keep it silly. We keep it light. But in the process, they're learning what a scale is, what an arpeggio is, what mm. a chord is, the octaves, all that kind of stuff. And, and so I, I don't ever believe that you have to talk to kids like their kids or treat right. kids like and they love to talk staccato style. I used to talk like this, and we would talk choppy, and I would tell them it was staccato. There you go. Yeah, same thing. Okay, Beautiful. so when you're not doing music with kids, what other musical pursuits do you have? Well, we have a lot of things going on, Miss Charlotte. We have lots of music. So myself, I have my solo project. Um, Rob Fire is, I perform under that name, and I... Right, I'm original uh, songwriter, uh, composer, and it's, and performer. it's Rob. It's Rob R O B B. Two B's. Fire. Fire. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I that. I joke around that the extra B is for B Y O B, and that extra B can stand for a lot of different things depending on who I'm talking <laughs> to. Uh, um, but fire, yeah, fire, just F I R E, exactly. And you know, uh, fire can be hot. Fire can be, you know can be mm. a, a raging fire or a warm fire, simmering fire. So I have an album out on. Uh, Inspired by actual events, the full CD or full virtual album of original songs and Tom Moore in the can. And I perform out as a solo act as well. I also play in jazz combos. Um, I'm in a reggae band called Reggae Thunder, which Ms. Paulina is also a part of. And she and I have a number of other projects as well. Uh, we have Mocha Soul, which is an R&B influenced new soul project. Uh, we've had Spiritual Thunder forever since we met, which is a folk rock duo. Uh, we have Thunderbird, which is a hard rock band. So when I'm not working with kids, I'm working with adults. And we're playing music with uh, jazz combos, reggae bands, R&B. I, I also do produ- production in the studio, remixing, You know, it's interesting because music started out with you classical when you talked about your parents. Yeah. And that's the foundation of so much other music, right? It's- it absolutely is, and without a doubt, it influences everything else that I do. Even if I'm just strumming folk stuff on a guitar, I'm thinking classically. The arrangements, the way I think of arrangements, are definitely inspired by classical music, and I'll always have that experience with me and always carry that influence for sure. So can you tell everybody how they can find this information about you? I'm on Facebook. You can uh, go to um, Facebook, Rob Fire, at Rob Fire, and then Rob McCall, as, as I'm also available on Facebook. You can find out more about my, my personal life, my family photos, and things like that. Mocha Soul is also on Facebook, M-O-K-A, Soul, mm. S-O-U-L. Reggae Thunder is also on Facebook, or you can search for Reggae Thunder has another website. I'll send you the link for that. But also on YouTube, my YouTube channel has Reggae Thunder videos, some live videos. Your YouTube channel is what name? So that would be Rob Fire as well. <laughs> it's a little confusing, if you don't mind me we saying. Have, we have so much going on, yeah. We have to and compartmentalize. Ra- and, and RaisingMusic.com? RaisingMusic.org. Dot org and that is, right. is is that the umbrella of all of it or is that your education mm-hmm. arm no that's just the music education that's the, the music education part of it that's that component and then everything else is separate we try to keep everything you know compartmentalized as much as possible we have something in common we both like purple I actually <laughs> Do you, you like purple I don't have my purple glasses on at this moment but you I have never purple... mentioned that before well I'm looking at you <laughs> Um, I'm looking at your purple top hat, your purple shirt. Wait, 
jacket uh, and shirt, but the top hat. And he has long hair. You can't see him because we're on a podcast. But I love that top hat. <laughs> it's great. Thank you. I recently picked it up. Uh, I figured after this last year and a half of madness we've all been through, it's, you know, we all treat ourselves to a little something. And I always wanted a purple top hat. And I saw one. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So. It's just perfect. Thank you. So we're going to come back with more from Rob, but right now we need to take a break, a quick break, so we can say thank you to our sponsors. We'll be back with Kid Fun and more on the Word of Mom Radio Network. She is brave. She is strong. She is you. Because you're that woman who's got a product or a service that you're looking to promote, or you're out there seeking to support other women in business to help women learn network and build the businesses of their dreams because when you win we win we all know a survivor some of our friends and family have made it through difficult times some of us don't make it losing a loved one to cancer a car accident or any other unfortunate event can be crippling and unavoidable but one of the hardest subjects to talk about is suicide too often our youth decide that leaving this place is easier than facing the struggle forced upon them every day more than one in four children go through some form of bullying or another. Most of us survive with scars, but for some, the inner demons created cannot be recognized or treated in time to ensure they make it through. Bullying in every form is very much avoidable. It starts with me, and it starts with you. This is Kelly Carius from No Such Thing as a Bully, reminding you to do your part when you see bullying happen. If you don't know what that is, call 403-447-4404, or go to no such thing as a bully.com. Don't let the name fool you because stadiumbags.com has a line of clear bags that enable you to use your phone and your smart devices without removing them from your bag. Not only that, but the product is so good it'll stand up to the cleaning solvents that you need to use now to make sure that when you come home, you come home safely. So take a look at stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we're your clear choice, because safety, it's in the bag. We're back, and I'm excited to continue our discussion with Rob McCall, a.k.a. Rob Fire. Hello. And a lot of other names. (laughs) A lot of bands. (laughs) So many bands. That's great. So this is an interesting question that I thought of, you thought of, but what have you learned from being a teacher? I've learned a lot that I didn't expect to learn. And as I think anybody can say, sometimes learning experiences are uncomfortable. They can be uncomfortable. We can learn from experiencing discomfort. One of uh, such reasons or one such thing I'm thinking of when I say that is um, I've been in some situations where I've been working with some kids who were from some pretty rough backgrounds. And one thing that I used to do a lot is just refer, I would just refer to, you know, just without even thinking about it, I would refer to people's parents, your parents, your family. Oh, your parents, this, your family, that. And I was lucky because when I would be talking that way, um, some teachers who were in the classroom might have heard me had to pick me aside and they were understandable. They knew my heart was pure. I wasn't trying to say anything, but they had to tell me some of these kids don't have parents. They don't live with their parents. They, they live in foster homes. They don't really have families. So we don't talk about parents or families, things like that. Mm. And, you know, and sometimes if I had, uh, when I used to work with some of the older kids, middle school kids, you know, the kids, they get out of line and you have to kind of lay them a little bit. And one time I was going to, I guess I was setting a girl straight and the teacher told me, just so you know, this girl, uh, 
I won't get into too much on the podcast here, but was from a, an extremely troubled background. I won't get into the details, but uh, long and short of it was did not have her parents, was living with her grandparents, and was and they were struggling. It was a really hard situation. And I've also been in a situation where uh, some little girl was acting up, and I'm, you know, again, trying to, you know, admonishing her. And a teacher said, just, again, just, you know, this little girl's house burned down, and she's, you know, mm. just experienced some massive trauma. So what taught me to just not necessarily assume that a kid is acting up is doing so because they just need to be set straight or put in their place or anything like that, or they need to have a stern hand. Sometimes they're just, you know, dealing with unimaginable stress in their lives and they've witnessed things that no no one, much less a young child, should ever have to witness. And so it taught me to back off a little bit. And, and you to know, just Rob, like, you know, by being in music. That's a place to escape, right? Well, so that I guess also... what, what you've learned, I'm, I'm learning by listening to you. Someone told me recently that their child is the only child in their class with a mother and father. Families are so different today. Yeah. And it's all about love. That's all that matters. And let's hope every child is surrounded by love. But oh. I guess we can't assume that either. Well, yeah. Very sadly, it's true. You cannot make that assumption because a lot of, a lot of times I've worked with kids who are surrounded by the exact opposite of that. And I've, I've seen, I've witnessed, uh, I've had a kid one time at, a, at one center where I spent the whole hour with them and we had a wonderful time and wonderful music and they, they were participating and they're getting inspired. And uh, at one point we had these little recorders for the kids and they could take the recorders home. And I was walking behind one of the families of one of the kids. He was with his older brother and his mom. And he was tooting away on his little recorder and his mom took the recorder and ripped it out of his mouth and just threw it on the sidewalk and said, stop playing that. It makes you look, and I won't say the word that she said, but makes you look, look like a pejorative word. And it was really just like, oh my goodness. So you're going home to, this is your, this is his mom. Mm. This is your reality. This is your home now. But for that last hour that I was with him, he was having a good time and he was having fun and tooting away on his recorder. So at least like you just said, at least if we can provide some joy through music, so as an escape from that, you know, um, maybe we can show these kids a different reality, a different way of expressing themselves, that they can maybe manage that stress and that tension that they have to live with all the time. Um, you know, I, I came from, even though um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about my upbringing, my parents and so forth, but there were times when it was very difficult and music for me was an escape. And it provided me that joy and that beauty and reminded me when I was really down, hey, don't think that everything's so bad. You still have this access the source to beauty of the ability to make these, these beautiful sounds and you can just forget about all that other stuff and just so i'm hoping to be able to provide kids who have that as their reality i, I hope that i can provide a window for them that they can see outside of that and, and then find that reality for themselves well that would be really great and i guess the big lesson to learn is don't assume absolutely right? yeah yep your frame of so, reference is very small when you compare it to everybody else out there in the world so, and they're lucky to have you to bring that joy. I know that. What is your earliest musical memory? <laughs> well, I will always treasure the sound of a woodwind quintet being played in my living room as a young, as a, you know, infant in the first house we lived in. Um, and I remember being put to bed, you know, my parents were, uh, my dad played uh, clarinet and flute, my mom played flute, and they had friends. So they had a friend who was a trumpet player, uh, no, a French horn player, a bassoonist, and an oboe player. And so they would uh, come over and they'd play woodwind quintet music in our living room and just uh, that would be their mm. their night. And I would be put to bed and I would fall asleep to the sounds of this woodwind quintet playing in my in my living room. And of live music. Unbelievable. Yeah, real, yeah. Live Not a recording. 
Yeah, not a recording. Yeah, real musicians playing real and playing beautifully mm. on, on a high level. I mean, they're professional musicians. They performed. My parents actually met on the stage of Carnegie Hall, oh, and um, as uh, they were both uh, in the flute section for a production of um, oh, I think it was Aida. Some some opera or something or a musical I forget I really should know but they that's how they met yeah so they were both professional musicians and and the people that they knew were professionals and my first bassoon teacher was that bassoonist uh, their um, their friend Sandra Mailson I still remember her name you know hopefully she's still around but she was wonderful and um, that was uh, just a real treasure for me and I, I still treasure that that memory I just can't imagine going to sleep to live music playing in your house. <laughs> Okay. It's a real blessing. Real it blessing. is. It really is amazing. And then one more question. If you think about your wish, what's your greatest wish, your goal in music? In music? Well, I've always wanted to write a full, complete symphony. And I've started mm. many, many times. I've written uh, chamber music pieces. I wrote a string orchestra piece. Uh, not a long one, but so it's always been my, my desire from my earliest childhood memory from first hearing Beethoven and Mozart and all those guys to write a full symphony. And one day I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, it's just, there's not much, <laughs> it, it's kind of hard to, uh, to spend the time to do that when there's not funding for it. You know, someone's not commissioning you to write a symphony where you don't have an orchestra at your disposal. It's a little difficult, but then again, on the, on the other hand, these days there are virtual tools that you can sound like an orchestra with uh, the right synthesizer. So I might go that way too, but there's nothing like the real thing, as they say. And I would still love to do that. You know, I like to score, I like to write it out by hand and score the whole thing the old fashioned way and have a, get a symphony orchestra to perform it. So that's, uh, that's my big dream. So Rob, I would like to reconnect you to the Philadelphia Youth Orchestra Music Institute. That's the name now. Okay. Because I do work with them. Coincidentally, I couldn't believe I saw that in your bio. And um, alumni are very important to them. But you should be talking to these young musicians about all the ways you have made music part of your life it is really it's a great lesson that they can learn just from listening to you i would love to yeah i'm going to talk to them about it maybe we can make that happen beautiful i'm all for it so the one thing i want to end with because this is kid fun and more and kid fun like in my book is creative ideas for play that do not use electronics use the stuff already in your home and i'm curious if you have a memory of when kid fun was important to you or what was so much fun for you when you were young. Well, again, um, as a kid, I think my favorite memory doing something like that that didn't involve electronics or even uh, electricity, I would create my own drum sets mm. out of whatever was around, um, boxes, pans. Uh, in fact, I still have, I, I have it right here. I'm looking right at it, uh, the, a metal table that was given to my parents. It's um, from Iran. They had uh, a cousin of ours used to live in Iran and they brought back this metal table on this wooden stand and I would put little coins and, and paper clips on it. And when he tapped it, it would sound like a hi-hat, like a part of a drum, drum set. And I would take that hi-hat and I would, and I actually had a, I had a real snare drum. So I had the beginning of a drum set. I, I always wanted to be a drummer. My parents were like, anything but the drums. You can play any <laughs> instrument you want, but you can't play drums because we used to live in a row house. We're not, we're not subjecting our neighbors to that. I'm not hearing you practice drums. <laughs> Which, you know, I always, I really resented him for that. But on the other hand, he supported me when I played, I played other instruments. So they were very supportive. So I can't really say too much. But the first chance I could get when I grew up, I, I bought my own drum set. But back in the day before I, uh, back at that time, I could only put together my boxes and my, I had my little metal table, my snare drum. And then I had the big booming box for the bass drum. I, I couldn't work out a drum pedal, but I would just construct little drum sets for myself and play along with my favorite music. And so. you know, it's all about rhythm. So 
I'm always doing that, even yes. on the table. You know, you can be sitting at a restaurant and not be loud, waiting for food, everyone's bored, and just beat out a rhythm right there on the table with your hands. There are some tables out there that have amazing <laughs> overtones. Oh, and you know that. Uh, in fact, uh, so one of my uh, in fifth grade, we used to have these desks that had a top part and a bottom part, so you put your books in, and <laughs> and of course, so you have two different tones from the top. The top would be, I think, wood, and the bottom was metal. So I used to just love going back and forth between the bottom of the table and the top of the table. And, of course, my teacher really loved that as well. And uh, <laughs> that's sarcasm right there. Did not like it too much. <laughs> or car dashboards. My dad's car, the dashboard on his car had a great sound. I would tap on that. And, again, he just loved when he was driving, I'm tapping away on the, the dashboard. Right. And, and, again, I'm being sarcastic. No, he did not like that one bit. Well, but what I like to do <laughs> in Kid Fun is I like to recommend ideas to people who are involved with children. And all of these, whether it's a dashboard or a cardboard box or the other side of a pot, the bottom of a pot, you can make yeah. music. You can have the kids play drums. They, they're so fascinated by it. I mean, you're a great example of that. So this was really fun Thank you. connecting with you on Kid Fun and More. And Thank you so much, Ms. Charlotte. It's been wonderful. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and to get the word out to people about the love of music and the way we can solve the problems of the world if we only focus on beauty and joy in our lives. That is for sure. So tell us again how people can find you. You can find us on RaisingMusic.org. You can find us on Facebook. Rob Fire on Facebook, Raising Music on Facebook, Reggae Thunder on Facebook. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, at Rob underscore Fire. Um, Spiritual Thunder is also on Instagram. And <laughs> I wonder so, if people are trying to take notes and write all this. But well, they can, pause, can they pause the podcast and so they can write all this down? <laughs> oh, yeah, they probably could. But if you Google Rob, R-O-B-B, Fire, yes. or Rob, R-O-B-B, McCall, yes. I'm sure you'll find so much. And I'll tell you all that I'm going to be also interviewing Pauline Houston McCall, Rob's wife. They are the most amazing team. She's an incredible artist. They both work with children, but they both create art through music, and she's a musician and singer as well. So I love the McCall family. Thank you so much for being with us today. On behalf of everyone here on Word of Mom Radio and the Word of Mom Media Network, thanks for tuning in to Kid Fun and More. We're going to close with our fabulous theme song from Smith Sisters Bluegrass. So till next time, this is Charlotte Felcher. And don't forget to visit my website, kidfunandmore.com, for activities, information about my books, and much more. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong. She